episode of the Floorcast, the NFT podcast. Forecast, Floorcast, see what we did there. We're a community-led podcast by the Floor NFT app community. If you don't know what Floor is, it's your very own NFT portfolio in your pocket. An app which aggregates all your NFTs into one amazing interface, showing you price movements, latest sales, and so much more. And the community's not so bad either. Speaking of which, I'm joined today by my three esteemed co-hosts, I guess I can call you. First and foremost, Corwin, sir, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Pat? Not too bad. Not too bad. Not us- Not in the usual setup, but recording must continue, right? So, uh, I was about to say, a little bit different. No no professional mic. Listen, a- a- as podcasts go, you know, you need to be available anytime. What they say, the best ability is availability, and I've made myself available. Doesn't matter about the, uh, <laughs> the equipment, the place. If I was, you know, on a jog, I'd still be tuning in. Uh, also joining me, Curtis. How are you doing, mate? Doing good. Great to be here again. And your setup is just fire. I mean, if you're listening, which you can only do so at the moment because we have no video version, but Curtis's setup is like, just think like the upper echelon of Twitch streamers. That's the vibe. Except I do know Twitch streaming, so. I'd, wa- I'd watch your Twitch stream. Watch, watch me uh... live staking creeps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Playing... Playing Creeps, 24-hour marathon. And uh, last but not least, you heard his voice, Chris Madden. How are you, mate? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me back. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, well, I mean, look, you, you told me to randomize the order last episode. So we're going to start with Curtis this week. Um, every week, as you guys know, if you haven't already listened to the show, we bring one NFT topic, project, or thing, bit of news to the table, and we all have to discuss it. So Curtis... There's no interest here. We're getting straight into business. What is your thing to bring to the table? Yeah, so uh, I'm, I want to highlight one specific project that came out of Shiny this last week, and uh, it touches on a couple of things that are going on kind of in the, the 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 meta going on in NFT land right now. So uh, the project, I think, Pet, you probably got involved with it too. It's Pixel Dudes. Uh, Dith from Shiny is running a community. He's got a, a small team that um, did this. It's a doodle derivative but it's different than the other doodle derivatives where it's not just a ripoff directly of the art or they threw it through some like pixel art generator. It's actual original art that pays homage to the original doodles. So they had an artist actually do the art themselves. And so it was really cool because they did a stealth mint with the chain runners and shiny communities and a couple other alpha groups. And then they had a public mint. And uh, the really cool thing is that at every 20% increment of the mint uh, going out, they would drop a doodle from the floor on one uh, random person. So at the time it was a 10 ETH floor. So every every 20% they're dropping 10 ETH on someone. Uh, <laughs> and it's really cool because they did this whole thing while in a live Discord. Well, they started a Discord um, for two hours and then they did a 14 hour Twitter space marathon <laughs> until they minted out. So so it, it was insane. Uh, they, they basically all pulled all-nighters. It was really great. Uh, the one thing that was really refreshing about it is the way they described the roadmap, they didn't have a giant ambitious roadmap that had like AAA games and metaverse and all this other stuff on it. It was, it's cool art. We want to have a really good vibes in the community and that's it. That's all we're going to promise you. We're going to deliver on that and then we'll go from there. And it was kind of refreshing because in a lot of these projects, uh, you have people joining and they're like, hey, when's the game or when's the token? 
one one moon, one Lambo. Like it's there's a lot of expectations of typical NFT projects, and this one they're very clear in the Twitter space. They probably did it like every half an hour. They went through the roadmap and is basically good vibes, cool art. Um, but what what happened because of that is they have this really awesome community now, and because there's so much support behind the founders, they've now accelerated the drop, like their next drop. They want to do a completely original art uh, NFT next, and. They weren't going to do that for maybe a couple months. Now they're going to start on it right away because they've gotten such a groundswell support from the community. So, yeah, it just kind of highlights um, some of the expectations that we might have going into NFTs and wonder what you guys think about someone who is like actually uh, puts out a roadmap that is like truthful instead of blowing it up in terms of like, hey, we're going to deliver everything to you uh, in the next two weeks. I think too much of anything is bad. And you know, a project that's working on an awesome, credible game is really exciting. A project that's just trying to make a fun community is awesome. You don't want 10,000 game projects. Um, you know, I, I don't think if you spent the rest of your life, you could actually spend any time in all of the promised metaverses that have been put forward by projects so far. Equally, if we had 10,000 projects that thought it was okay to just say, and you buy it and you join the community and it's cool and fun. I feel like we'd probably get just as tired of that quite quickly and be like, oh, come on guys, Like, we really want to build some utility into this. Um, so I think it's just a, a refreshing reminder of change is great. Um, and it's cool that they did that. It's cool that people got behind it. Um, there is no one answer, I think is the what I'm kind of getting at. I think it's interesting. I mean, like it's expensive marketing to airdrop doodles, right? That's the only thing I'd say. It's like um, the the vibes and the the community type uh, atmosphere. I think and that kind of buzz and excitement of potentially having that or winning that um, or being airdropped that I think can build kind of euphoria in a community. And once those people don't win, I think they still have that feeling of elation there's probably some like psychological mumbo jumbo that someone could <laughs> tell us if they're a psychologist as to why that's such a, like a you know that endorphin rush of like potentially winning something or being airdropped something and then you know even when you don't win it you're probably still at a, a higher you know exuberance point that you were before and i think if you can kind of get that feeling within a community i'm probably looking too deeply into it but if you get that feeling within a community there's only a matter of time before you know, those vibes are cool, but also someone says like, why don't we do this? And suddenly like you have a community led project and people are excited because, um, you know, of the way it launched, right? Like I think a lot of NFT projects, they're all about momentum. And I think if you start with good momentum, regardless of the floor, if people are interested and you have their attention um, and, and you have people that are keen to contribute and, and help build, then you are going to be in a decent place. And next thing you know, you have a community podcast. <laughs> I've, I was in this project, I want to say four or five months ago and everyone kept like harassing the owner, like one roadmap, ran roadmap. And the owner was an artist and he's just like, there doesn't need to be a roadmap for every project. It's just art. That's all I want to put out is art into the world. I think that's really powerful too, because I know with NFTs, we've gotten into the space of we need this, this, this now. But at the same time, as to Chris's point, like no one's going to have enough time to play every single game. And a lot of the roadmaps I read nowadays don't even don't even fulfill their road. Like a lot of people don't fulfill their roadmap anymore. So I think 
I think that's great uh, because a lot of communities can also build off that and turn into alpha groups. I've seen that happen as well. Like sometimes things don't mint out and their discords turn into an alpha group. So I think that's a great way to build a community as well. I've been really surprised the extent to which that's become a really important part of the floor community. In the way that we started out around an app, I, I'd kind of assumed it would always be mostly about the app. But today, I think that's a secondary part for actually many people being there. And a lot of it's about the community and the access to alpha that both you know, we as a project try and provide, but also um, the community provides to one another. So yeah, like one of the other things I was going to say, just to kind of play balance to, to what Corwin said in the sense that like some of this is just art. I think that, so two things. One, people always fear being rugged. So whenever they don't have clear communications from like a team lead, whether it's art or whether it's like, you know, an app or whether it's something completely different, I think that people can get nervous and like you, you never know how people view their NFTs, right? Some people view them as investments. Um, some people view them as purely art that they, you know, that they just keep in the same way that they would keep, keep any collectibles. People view them in different things, uh, in different ways. And I think you've got to be sensitive to that as like a project owner. I think even if you're like an artist and all you want to do is create art, like you still have to foster a, you still have to create a brand um, for yourself as the artist that people want to be proud of owning a piece of art that one looks good, but it's made by said artist. So I think you do have some sort of responsibility. And I think like the, 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 the goalposts can shift to some extent in the sense that, you know, if you're really successful and it sells out and there's loads of secondary volume and it goes way better than you expect, like you also need to know that like the kind of level of engagement, communication and not future promises, but like just saying like this is like what we'll do to keep in, keep on fostering the community. This is what we want to do to develop the brand for this project. I think it's super important and um, you know there's going to be a lot of set and forget projects where people just mint and they never touch it and they never do anything and maybe communities gather around them but I think in this day and age 99% of projects are created by like a founding team and if they go really well or um, you know there's a big community behind them I think you do have some sort of responsibility to okay maybe you don't need a roadmap that you know goes into 2024 but kind of just even if it's your base layer thinking of like what you might want to do in the future, I think it's, it's super important just from a, I guess, transparency standpoint, but an authenticity standpoint as well. And um, yeah, I think it's just good practice. You bring up a good point. Um, and one thing I want to highlight what Pixel Dudes did was they did have a roadmap, but it was very low key. And so it was the classic, they underpromised and they overdelivered. And now they're going to actually move a lot faster on a lot of these initiatives that they they had planned like a little further uh, down just because of the community they built. So uh, yeah, it's 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 refreshing to see a, a project actually over deliver on promises because we're so used to them like missing dates or or rugging or or whatever it is. Like very few projects actually live up to the roadmap that they publish when they publish that white paper. It feels like in January 2021, the 2022. Sorry. Basically, if it's not a rug you're already like 85% above everything else. Uh, there's just so many uh, rug projects out there. I'm curious, Curtis, we talked a little bit last week about the Doodles official partnership process. Is that something that they're doing? Is this in any way official? Have they talked about making it official with the Doodles team? I don't think they've mentioned it, um, but I can bring it up to them. The, the thing they did that was a little different than all the other derivatives is they didn't just mash like two other popular projects together in a very lazy way. They actually generated their own pixel versions of Doodle-inspired 
And they also had some invisible friends and some other projects in there that they really liked. So um, yeah, it was kind of a derivative in the best way. You can like the proper way to do a derivative. Uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see if they would go and go through that formal verification because it is really cool art. I know in their Twitter bio it says not affiliated with any project. So um, I, th I think for now they're definitely on, on that side of things, right? Makes sense. I, and I think the cost of entry to official Doodles partnership, from what I understand, is quite high. <laughs> right, let's move on from Pixel Dudes for a second. Uh, Corwin, you want to talk to us today about a potential rug. Talk to me about your bit of news that you're bringing to the table this week. Yeah, so recently, well, past few months, airdrops have been like the biggest thing in NFTs. Well, one of the biggest things. Free money for just being a part of the community, for just trading on OpenSea, for using gas. Uh, so fees.wtf is a, for people who don't know, it's like a popular web, well, it's been pretty popular for the past few months. And you go to the website and it basically tells you, this is how much you spent on gas. So me and my friends, one day we were out at the pub and <laughs> we all looked at how much we spent ga on gas and it was an astronomical amount. And we use that website. So it's a pretty so it's pretty well known. So what they wanted to do was drop a airdrop a token to people. And in order to and basically how much you spent on gas is how much it, it there's like a multiple multiplier. This is how much you spent on gas, this is how much failed transactions you had. And failed transaction was like five to one on the multiplier. And you end up getting these tokens. But you had to pay, which most airdrops you don't have to pay, but this one you had to pay 0.01. And me and a couple of my friends decided to buy right off the bat and try to stake them. Horrible idea. Um, lost out probably about three or 400 bucks on gas just to find out that because the fees.wtf team wanted to get the contract out there, let people validate it so that people know it's not a rug, this gave a lot of leeway for the bots to come in, front run it, sandwich people, and there was pretty much no liquidity. I think it's trading at like four cents a token right now. Yeah, <laughs> lost on gas. Yeah, that's not ideal, is it? I mean, like this airdrop craze is really interesting. Um, I think we obviously talked about um, uh, looks last week and people are going to want to jump on that trend. Um, I think people are kind of ready to deploy anything that jumps on trend if it's going to try and make them a bit of money or you know a bit of PR, whatever it may be. Um, it's quite important, isn't it, to kind of suss out the the wheat from the chaff, like to, to really figure out who is serious about doing what with these. I mean, obviously, SOS was relatively successful. Um, they have like quite a credible team behind them. And obviously, looks are seemingly doing pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, Curtis, I want to get your take on this. I mean, are airdrops going to be like the big trend of 2022? Are we going to see some monster ones this year? And uh, do we do we need to be rugged before we get some real bank? And to also throw in there, um, ENS did one as well, which is pretty successful to this day. Of course, of course. They they kicked off this whole thing, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They did. yeah. And I'd I mean, be really interested to go look at the contracts and see what the overlap is between these things and the original ENS contracts for the ENS drop. And this is a constant pro and a con of open verified contracts on the blockchain. It's so easy to create derivatives. And I think that that's you know, honestly been taken advantage of by projects that didn't do any of the thinking or work uh, to actually make things work. Yeah, but it, even, even if you vet the contract or see that it's the exact same, 
there, there are things outside the contract that can lead to a rug. Like in this case, just not having liquidity in there or s launching a contract in a way that the bot sandwiched people. I saw someone, I think the two biggest examples were, I think someone paid 50 ETH for like fractions of a percent of, uh, or fractions of a token and someone on the other side. That was a bot, right? Yeah. And on the other side, they sold, they sold like one WTF for like 30 ETH or something like that. So yeah, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, that, that's something you wouldn't be able to detect from a contract alone. That's them not doing the things behind the scenes. So uh, to Pet's question, is this the year for airdrops? I think everyone's expecting a couple big ones from like the the ones you, you might expect, like maybe MetaMask and some of these other uh, ZK roll-up chains are getting pretty big. So some of those they're expecting. So yeah, I think some good airdrops are probably coming, but there's probably a ton of junk that's going to come out too. And it's not going to be very easy to see what the junk is because of like you you can verify a contract in an nft to see that they're not doing anything funny when there's a transfer or something like that in these it's like you have to trust the team so at that point you've got to maybe do some due diligence on the team themselves and see like are these guys going to provide liquidity am i actually going to be able to do anything with this token or is it just going to be something that goes to pennies and then it's costs more in gas to do anything with it than to actually move it around i think it's pretty important for I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I feel it's important for stealth airdrops to happen rather than having these timed because I just feel like people just with these bots now are just going to be prepared for everything, just like an NFT drop as well. Yeah, I think that the stealth drop idea is, is interesting. I think for me, where, where I think about like airdrops is a really interesting, whether it be NFTs or, or, or tokens in this space is kind of, crypto MA in a weird way like if there are people who are um not happy with the way a, a project's run or if a project is kind of declining in a way people can technically you know airdrop a token to all those users um and start or fork something else in in an interesting way using that token or those nfts so i'm kind of interested in the first successful example of that in 2022 i'm sure it will come where you know, someone decides to airdrop a specific amount of tokens to users of X platform or NFT holders of X project because they don't like something that's happened with their you know core team or in within their community or whatever it may be. Um, and I think that's going to give people that sense of like you might not be as safe as you once thought. Like you obviously can't copy paste community, but if there's enough influence there and if people see enough dollar signs, there is a potential to to kind of like. Uh, M&A is probably the wrong word, but like it, it is kind of that aggressive takeover via airdrops is potentially feasible at some point in, in this space. Another thing that ENS did really well, and it's kind of the gold standard for this now, and a lot of people haven't followed suit yet, but I'm sure they will. The big airdrops in 2022 will do this, is they, they weighted the airdrop based on actual usage instead of something that could be easily botted. Whereas like paying gas fees that's kind of something anyone can do. There's no real engagement needed. So that's why it'll be interesting to see, like, what does MetaMask, for example, if they do an airdrop, what do they use in their waiting algorithm? Or uh, there are some other platforms I use more in the DeFi space that 
you could very easily bot them and do transactions on Polygon for like zero gas, but then you just run up your usage numbers. And so are they gonna look at that and be like, okay, maybe stuff just on mainnet is used or we weight them differently. But yeah, that's something ENS really did really well. And a lot of these airdrops recently have not done anything like that. That That's a really great point because I, I believe ENS did like five different weighting methods, correct? Like it, how long you've held it, how long your domain is, how much they value it. Like they, they really did it right, especially with their governance and you could delegate your votes to people as well. I, th- I think making something fair and equitable in that sense, like if you were the original team airdropping something um, and you're airdropping, you know, the, the power to help govern the project, I think it needs to be done in a, in a really well thought out way. Um, and I don't think there's any way you can do it where like every single person is a winner. But I think at least if it's if it's really well thought out and as as fair and equitable as possible, I think you're you're gonna have a good grounding base, right? Right. Let's move on to our third topic, Chris. Uh, you want to talk about something fishy to us? Um, like, what are you bringing to the table this week? That's my bad dad joke of the week. It was bad, but we love you anyway. Uh, I wanted to talk about Fly Fish Club, which is Gary Vaynerchuk and uh, VCR Group's private membership club in New York City um, that will be a sushi restaurant, a cocktail lounge, and an omakase bar that is exclusively available to owners of the Fly Fish Club NFT. And there are two tiers, uh, the lower tier of which I think there's around 1,200 Um, We'll give you access to make a reservation at the restaurant and come to the cocktail lounge and then a higher tier uh, of which there are around 300 uh, Which will allow you to also book at the omakase bar uh, in the back of the restaurant and you know is Some of you probably know from LinksDAO kind of very fascinated with the online offline Model kind of how groups of people can mobilize around, you know, sharing access and ownership to things and so they they went quite direct and you are literally buying a transferable membership uh, the membership is a bearer instrument if you can show up and prove you own a uh, fly fish club you can make a reservation they'll be checking that someone actually holds the nft at the door uh, so you can't make a reservation for someone else like you are required to be there and to prove that you own the um, the NFT when you arrive, and I think there's some really interesting you know questions there. These are smart people with a good technology team behind them, and they're going to have to start answering some of the questions like how do we verify an NFT ownership in person in a way that's you know provable but isn't so inconvenient or insecure that it's um, a challenge when these things are now becoming really really expensive, and it's going to be I think quite an exclusive ticket in New York City. When you think a 1,500-person private membership restaurant you know, owned by Gary Vaynerchuk, the higher-end uh, memberships are now reselling on OpenSea for 17-ish ETH. And so they, they actually need to start solving some of those interesting online-offline problems, which I, I think is going to be really cool and fun. Um, and you know, I, I am a holder, and I'm, I'm really excited at the idea of going there. Uh, but I'm also really excited about it from the kind of technology pushing the boundaries of sharing membership nft as a as a as a membership card and then the online offline verification stuff i i think so gary sold them for way too cheap oh sorry pat go ahead no no you, you, I, I was just gonna ask you corwin like are you bullish on something like this like yeah the, the this is something cost of entry point is like massive at the point at this point yeah but you got to think about it in the sense of like 
I don't know if you guys have heard of like Disney Club 33, where it's like an exclusive restaurant inside Disneyland, and they only sell 500 memberships or they, they're capped at 500 memberships. You have It's like a four-year waiting list. It's an exclusive restaurant, and I believe the initiation fee is 15000 and you have to pay $10,000 yearly to get in. So if you just look at that price alone, just to go to a restaurant inside Disneyland, that's quite expensive. When you're talking about this is going to be one of the most exclusive restaurants in NYC, I truly believe. They're going to have a lounge. They're going to have an outdoor patio. I think it's massively undervalued. And Gary last week on a podcast went on and said he wants to open up one in Miami, LA, Sydney. So this is just a new like Soho house. I think it's going to turn into something really huge. And anyone in on the ground floor right now is going to be in for a great surprise in the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I, I just kind of look at it as like, is it another exclusive membership group, which which it clearly is? Um for, for me, I guess to play contrarian a little bit, like the reason why I'm not massively excited by stuff like this, I like all the things that Chris was talking about in sense of like that ability to like sell membership to something, some someone as an NFT and being able to trade that um, and relying on those kind of secondary fees as kind of a, a revenue stream. But if we're going to see like NFTs broadly used, mass market appeal, you know, my mum and dad using them, like in, in the coming years, there needs to be maybe a move away and, and a bigger excitement to have like something more accessible and something more, um, expo isn't the right word, but like as in if it's the same people getting in at the ground floor every time, um, when does that mass market liftoff happen? And there's going to be loads of different ways to do it. But um, I, I think the, the idea of being able to sell subscription or membership uh, in the form of an NFT, I think is is really awesome. And I think those business models there's going to be loads of really interesting business models in that way or in that fashion in 2022. Um, and, I, I, you know, I was reading uh, one of Packy McCormick's pieces, um, who's really awesome. You guys should definitely check him out if you haven't already. Um, but he was talking about kind of like we're in the experimentation phase in the sense that, you know, does trying to buy the constitution like better humanity in any way or does it like uh, better Web3 in any way? Maybe not in isolation, but like the things you learn from it, the people that are inspired from it, maybe do do some really awesome things that do change the game. And maybe my kind of hot take, but not so hot take, and I think maybe I'm playing safe, is that like I'm not too excited by this, but I'm kind of excited by what it could inspire, if that makes sense. Curtis, any thoughts? Yeah, uh, to the main, like the mass market type thing, I think something like this has to exist for us to do the R&D necessary to get the mass market solutions. So we're, we're exploring all these different ways of bringing these NFTs into the real world to be able to verify it on my phone or something like that. But with these expensive passes, there's lots of reasons why you wouldn't want that on a wallet that's on your phone because it's a potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of NFT. So yeah, there's going to be some very interesting R&D done. And because it's such a high ticket item, they can afford to foot the bill to do that R&D. Once that gets kind of figured out, then um, the rest of us can kind of figure out what works for us. Uh, so Pool Suite kind of did this first where they they have a wallet integration with their NFT. Maybe they'll do the same thing here, but there's definitely some really cool research that needs to be done. And once it becomes that accessible, then yeah, you can do this for way lower priced things. It just becomes like another thing in a toolbox of someone who's doing a membership NFT. It makes it much more easy for the mass market. I also think that 
Gary Vee's one of those people who's like, he's too big to fail at this point. If it was any other restaurant group doing this, I, I don't think I would be bullish on it. The fact that it's Gary Vee and uh, VCR group, like, I think they can do it right. And I think they have the people that can execute it right. A hundred percent. I agree with that strongly. And even if it turns out they haven't raised enough money and they need to go and put more money into R&D, I think just for kind of reputation reasons, I anticipate them seeing it through, even if the kind of economics of the core product, um, as they originally planned, don't end up working out as intended. Yeah, and I think that's why, like we were touching on it before, the importance of team and who they are and, and how they do things is is also obviously in, in, imperative. And in this kind of, with this project in particular, you're kind of also banking on, yeah, not only the execution, but like people also buying in or like wanting to be a part of this kind of community or environment that is instigated by someone who, you know, is really big in the space, but, but big in the mainstream as well. So yeah, like really fascinated to see where it's where it goes. Uh, fascinated to see where kind of models like that go in the future as well. Um, last but not least, I'm last this time. And what I'm going to be talking about is a project called Surge by Morpheus. Um, it's a uh, generative art collection uh, based out of London. Um, and it really blew up. Uh, if you search at M-O- P-H-E-U-5-5 on Twitter, that's the Twitter, hand, Twitter handle, or the same thing.com as the website. Um, you, you can just kind of see the art is awesome. And I, like, I don't really know how they blew up, but they basically created a Twitter account and it went to like almost 10K followers within kind of two, two or so weeks. Uh, not very much. And it's like pretty much been mainly organic. Uh, I don't know how a couple of my DGEM friends found it and, and sent it my way, but I ended up minting my one that I was on a whitelist for, but they look really awesome. Like I'm not a huge art guy. They felt Fidenzeri-ish, but with their own kind of like spin and um, just really loved the artwork. And, uh, you know, art NFTs are still in a bit of like a, a lull, um, but I'm, I'm kind of bullish and, and interested in seeing how this one goes. I know that, you know, a lot of people use the Damien Hurst NFT like the currency NFT collection is kind of like a little bit of a barometer there at sitting at about I think five or six ETH at the moment and their peak was closer to 20-ish so yeah a lot of our NFT projects have struggled um, even with this kind of like big run up from doodles and board apes and stuff like that so it'll be interesting to see if they ever make a resurgence um, and if they do what it will look like but yeah like this is this is a project I minted this week along with Blurgs, which we're going to talk about next week. Hint, hint. Um, but this one is something that I thought was pretty cool and didn't want to pass it up when I got the whitelist spot. Touched on something interesting there, which is art NFTs or kind of uh, generative uh, art NFTs. Hugely, uh, you know, depressed. Uh, I would say underpriced right now. Um, if you were watching video, you'd see I have a squiggle behind me. Um, I try not to pump my own bags but I really think that art blocks is so underpriced right now. It's crazy. Uh, like every time I see the price of squiggles, I want to go buy more squiggles because it just feels like this really important piece of generative art history, but they're just like laying there on the floor for, you know, considerably smaller amounts of money than they were six months ago. But we don't really know what it looks like when the NFT world moves on from a phase. Does it go back? Or is that actually it and it moves on forever and the opportunity was there? We just like don't know the answers to those questions yet because culture hasn't defined them yet. I also, I like how you said that they kind of look like Fendezas because that's what I thought when I first seen it. And I believe 
Tyler Hobbs. Is that correct, Chris? Do you know if he's the one, the artist behind them? Yeah. Um, he recently slammed a Solana project for being something similar to his project. So if I don't know who's behind this project or if he decides to slam it or what happens, but that could also be like a, a key factor in price. Just something to look at. Yeah, I've seen a few of these projects. I know um, from talking to a couple of people in that space that Tyler is pretty open on his methodology and kind of like what inspired him. And I, I think if they're complete ripoffs and then they're on another chain, like I think that's one thing. I think inspired by or like taken inspiration from is is pretty cool. I think on the on the Surge project, you can see some of the like there are a few different types of like designs and like one is similar and the others are like pretty abstract and, and, and different um which is quite quite interesting within a collection usually you see quite similar things or something that like you know embodies the you know the the base of it and then everything else has like slightly different accessories or traits blah blah, blah. this has like a few different distinct styles within the same collection and so i'm interested to see actually after reveal like are the Fidenza ones, like the the lookalike Fidenza ones going to be the ones that are highest or is it going to be something like completely different and novel? Um, but yeah, like I know another project um, that's called uh, Tink, Tink RNG, I think. They're a, a few PhD guys uh, in the US who are using like um, actual proteins from their microbiology PhD to inspire some of their like designs which is pretty cool um that's one i might talk about on another on another episode but like again some of the th- outputs that they had someone was like oh that looks like a fidenza <laughs> and i was like yeah i agree <laughs> and um so yeah you you got to be careful i think if it's too close then you're going to get called out for by it um but i think this this project probably does have enough originality to um, do okay. Kind of interested to see how it does in the secondary. That the floor pre-reveal was sitting at about zero point six after a point one mint. So yeah, really curious to see how it does uh, in the reveal. I I got I only got one. I think it was one per per person. So uh, we'll keep you folks posted on how that does. Um, and then yeah, fingers crossed that uh, our NFTs make a comeback at some point, Chris. Now is is it just art or do they have a roadmap? I need to look into it more. I was speaking to a friend who's like super deep down the rabbit hole and he was saying that they're hinting towards, you know, added things for people that are early or like OG minters or whatever. So yeah, the other thing I'm curious is like what they do with it. Like, do they make more collections? Do they kind of try and do some permission access with some other communities and and, and whitelist spots and stuff like that? So yeah, really curious to see um, where this project goes. Um, But I, I, I guess before... We kind of move on. Curtis, you haven't spoken about your absolute undying love of art NFTs. Um, <laughs> like, want to get your uh, thoughts on where you think that kind of niche of crypto art or, or NFTs is going? Yeah, I, I checked out the art. I, I actually really like some of those pieces. So I would probably get into this just so I could print it and throw it on the wall behind me. Um, yeah, I'm not... Pull a Chris. Yeah, I, I'm not like that into the art NFTs because I just don't know enough about, like, I, I, I feel like I would accumulate a bunch of them and then they'd all go to zero. So if I don't actually like the art, then I'm going to be stuck with a bunch of things hidden in my OpenSea account. Um, so yeah, I, that's why I kind of focus more on stuff that is either games or has some sort of utility. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. And especially as if, like, if they're generated on chain, 
what people start doing because you can look at the code. You can just copy the code and tweak like maybe one or two things and you have basically a flipped version of that on-chain art and how people respond to that the same way we're, we're kind of going through the derivatives right now. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but at this point I would, I would get into something purely because I like the art and I want a, a print of it or something like that. Um, not to speculate because that is something I, I don't feel like I could actually flip for any sort of amount of value. Nice. Well, I, I think uh, we'll probably wrap it up there. 38 minutes. We've done a, a better job of keeping to our, <laughs> our allocated time than last time. Um, obviously, as always, this is uh, an episode that did not feature any financial advice, just great advice. Um, first and foremost, Corwin, where can people find out more about you? You can find me on Twitter at 0x, the number 0x Corwin, and also find me in the Floors Discord. Awesome. Curtis, uh, where can people find out more about you? On Twitter, uh, Curtis J. Cummings, and I float around the floor and shiny discords all day long. And last but not least, Chris Madden. Uh, at Chris Madden on Twitter uh, or at Floor NFTs, and you will find me compulsively in the Floor Discord 24 <laughs> 7. Uh, you can find me at Pet Berisha, P E T B E R I S H A, or Pet on Discord uh, in the Floors community in Shiny. Uh, and a few others so uh yeah keep your eyes peeled and you can find us the podcast at the floorcast um and keep your eye peeled on some giveaways ah i forgot chris we didn't do the giveaway bit i was gonna say do we have maybe one more order of business for the day we have one more order of business right at the foot of the show notes i actually wrote it in capitals as over to chris for the gen 3 token giveaway all caps bold and I didn't do it. So as you guys know, in every episode, we give away uh, an NFT. And last week, we gave away a World's Apart Doctor Who Founders token, which was really awesome. Um, that's officially licensed by the BBC. So if you're a UK listener, um, you know that that's a big deal. But Chris, this time, something a bit closer to home. Uh, firstly, I'm really excited about these weekly giveaways. And I really like the idea of instead of going and pursuing sponsorship and these things, uh, using it as an opportunity to give back. I think it's like way more in line with uh, our values and our community. Uh, so this week, uh, we're celebrating the launch of the Gen 3 Floor Token, which is next Saturday, uh, the 22nd at 3 p.m. Eastern. And so we're going to be giving away five Generation 3 Floor Tokens uh, to retweeters on Twitter. Uh, Pep will share the exact rules. Um, he's in charge of such things. Uh, but opportunity to uh, for five people to win a Generation 3 token. Shit, five, five people. That is amazing. So keep your eyes out uh, on the Floor NFT Twitter account and also the Floorcast. For more details, we'll have them uh, coming to you soon. But that is awesome. And uh, we've already got next week's lined up as well. Uh, but if you've got any shouts for us as well, uh, DM us on Twitter if there's any NFT projects that you're running or you're interested in or affiliated with. Hit us up. We're always open to new ideas uh, of giving away new NFTs from the Floorcast. But without further ado, we'll wrap up episode two of what has been another great recording. Thanks so much for all your feedback and high praise after the first episode. I've been making podcasts for a long time and this was probably the best reception I've had to like the start of one. So um, I, I don't know how much that says about it, but there we have it. Um, thank you very much for listening. Have a great day. Please leave us five stars on Apple and Spotify and all that good stuff. Tweet about us at the Floorcast. Let us know what your thoughts were. Um, we had someone playing it out loud on a train journey or something like that, um, which was probably the weirdest one, but yeah, there we have it. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Have a great day. Have a great week and continue DJing.